0: I'm Keontae, and, and you're, you're listening,
1: listening to, to the Crafted podcast. podcast. What's up,
0: everybody? It's another week, another episode, another podcast.
1: Yes, another podcast, and we're ready and willing.
0: Yep. So, how's <laughs> your week been so far? My I think week? this is a. Well, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I think this is has become like a normalcy thing. I guess this is an added uh, section. We just call it check-in because I always ask you how your week was.
1: Yeah. So my week has been um busy. Mm-hmm. Busy at work. I've been ramping up with all the things I have to do. The yeah. kids have started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so we're busy at home and we're getting in the swing of things. I've started working out a little bit. Um so I'm really kind of enjoying that. Like I think it's like a I don't know. It's kind of like anxiety reducing. Like I notice in the morning I feel more positive, more happy and things like that. And then Mm -hmm. um, this week has also been, you know, a little frustrating because the crazy thing about being a school psych or even working in special education or doing counseling, I always notice that we in that field tend to have children who, you know, might sometimes fit the description of some of the things that we're managing and some of the behaviors that we're managing. And so, like, I know um, a special education teacher, and her child has autism. I had a counselor parent that I met with before, and, you know, their child had uh, behavior issues, and they were just like, you know, I can't counsel my own kid you know, and so anyways, um, we're just managing some of the behaviors and stuff that, you know, we deal with. And it's interesting looking at it from a parenting lens as opposed to a school psychologist lens. And, you know, I am thankful at the end of the day because it does help me to relate a little bit to teachers and parents and all that kind of stuff. So I promise God is so intentional in the way that he does things.
0: Mm hmm very because yeah it's been an interesting week yeah for (laughs) sure uh for me my week has been yeah my week has been interesting like i
1: didn't ask you just kidding (laughs) Um, i'm the worst he said okay his his eyes look so sad oh let me not do that to you no more i'm sorry
0: (laughs) yeah my week has been uh interesting to say the least like at work i'm getting swamped at work, like, we go through, like, a period, and, like, for those that don't know, I'm a I'm a graphic designer, and so, like, at my job, we kind of go through a period, like, where we have, like, you know, we have, like, a certain amount of projects lined up to complete with, you know, due dates, like, kind of three weeks to two weeks out, um, but normally like, I have about, like, I'll have, like, maybe three projects I'm working on simultaneously or something like that, bruh, this week, literally just this week alone, I got hit with, like, almost 12 projects and like they're all due. I think the, I think the furthest one away is like due November 18th or something like that. But anyway, so I'm just trying to like organize my mind around that stuff and like get that done. And I'm really, I'm trying to do more of like when I get home, just shutting my work brain off because for the past, like couple of days, like I've been coming home and just thinking about all the work I got to do when I get back to work tomorrow. Are the next day, so yeah, um, I'm trying to be intentional and just turning my work brain off. But shoot, getting off work, it's I'm coming, to, coming home to my second job with the kids going to jujitsu, picking them up from daycare, dropping them off at school, loving them. You know, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> Not just a loving job, them. it's a job in itself.
1: But yeah, 12 projects sounds like a lot. I promise you, maybe you should start working out like me or do something, you know, a little something. Even though it's, sometimes it feels like, oh, I don't have enough time. I've literally been making time. Usually I'd like be sitting down scrolling or something mm-hmm. or cleaning up. But, you know, I've been consistent for two. This is the second week now. And so I really am enjoying it. You should probably, um, you know, find something that you're going to enjoy. Even if it's for like 30 minutes to take your mind off of it. Something different, though. Yeah. Well, remember, I
0: used to I used to get up in the early in the morning. I used to go on my walks. I used to go on my walks in the early in the morning. and Then I'd be listening to my music and then my walks transitioned into going swimming. I used to get up early and then go swimming in the morning. I would not. So, yeah, I just need to I just really need to carve out my time because also I've been just like tired throughout the week. So waking up early, I'm waking up as early as I need to get to work.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe don't wake up early. Stay up later.
0: Mm, that's a possibility.
1: And plus, I'm, I'm sleep before you usually, so. Yeah.
0: But all right, let's go ahead and get into our let's get deep question of the day. Um, today's question, it says, how would your 10-year-old self react to who you are today?
1: My 10-year-old self would be like, girl, you bad, sis. Like, come on. But then she'd be like, no, you didn't uh, get married and have all them kids. We were supposed to be traveling the world. <laughs> um, single with our adopted kids. That was my plan. That was your
0: plan at 10?
1: At 10, that was my plan. Hmm. I was going to be a doctor or something that made a lot of money and I was going to be traveling the world with my adopted kids. And I've always really wanted to adopt children. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess I wanted to have children too, but I always wanted to adopt children as well. So that was my plan. So my 10-year-old self would think like, wow, this is cool, but when you adopt then, And it would be like, and like, okay, you, uh, you got married. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. For me, uh, man, my 10 year old self at 10, um, I could just see myself. I was at Whaley middle school, Eastside Compton and you was in middle school at 10. Yeah. Right.
1: No middle school is fifth grade elementary.
0: Oh, then fifth grade. Then I was at Roosevelt elementary school. Eastside Compton, and I think I was in Miss Holmes' class at that time. Funny thing is, my fifth grade teacher used to be my mom's teacher when she went to, when she went to the same school I went to or whatnot. Her name was Tammy Holmes. Um, she was an old lady. But my 10-year-old self would just be looking at, like, man, you know, you've been able to travel a bunch of places. Like, you've been to Paris. You've been to Italy. You've been to canada um you you're married you're a homeowner and you got three kids like at 10 i mean i really wasn't necessarily like thinking about this life that i have now like as far as like i've always envisioned of like wanting my own home and like wanting my own family but i think it just seems so far away and even just doing the simple things like just traveling places or getting on a plane for that matter like, you know, I didn't get, I didn't, my first plane ride wasn't until I was, uh, 22. So, man, yeah, everything that I have now and everything that I've experienced up to this point, I think my 10-year-old self would just be like, wow, and awe, pretty much.
1: You're living the dream.
0: Yeah. I mean, we still got more to go, but <laughs> I think from this point on, like, they'd be like, yo, like, for, like, that's what you're doing? Dang that's crazy
1: imagine if we would have met at 10 that would have been interesting
0: yeah that would have been an interesting story i
1: probably would have liked you because you would have been the only if you would have went to my school you would have been the only other black kid
0: (laughs) dang, Dang, and vice versa if you went to my school it was just a sea of us so
1: maybe you wouldn't have noticed me
0: nah nah i'm sure you would have stood out (laughs) but all right um so moving on from our let's get deep question you ready for your random fact of the day
1: i am ready for my snapple fact
0: okay i was thinking about this earlier today i was like what what am i gonna say today and i think this is a good one because i don't think a lot of people really know this fact but do you know who the michelin man is
1: yeah the the uh the little fat um bubbly looking thing
0: yeah it looks like i think uh, i
1: saw this on facebook what I forgot what the fact was, but I totally saw this on Facebook. And once you say it, then it's gonna remind me.
0: Okay, so you probably saw that because why? Why the Michelin Man is actually white? If he's a tire, if he's a mascot for a tire company?
1: I saw something. I don't remember why though. Okay, keep going. I'm, okay, like, I'm so curious now. anyway,
0: the Michelin Man, we all know the logo for the actual Michelin Tire Company, um, is white. Like he's a white rubber figure. And really, most of my life, I never really thought twice about it. I just thought like, oh, that's their mascot, you know, but I never really thought like, huh, it's a tire company and rubber tires are black rubber. So why is the Michelin man actually white rubber? Um, It's because actually back in the day, um, tires actually used to be white, like back in the early, like late 1800s going into like the 1900s um, when tires were created, like the rubber tires, the beginning of them they were actually white. It wasn't until, like, 19... Around, like, 1912. Between, like, 1908 and 1912, um, when they started adding actual, like, uh, the rubber material um, that actually turned the tire white, the, from white to black um, to make it a little bit more durable, that's when tires actually became black. Uh-huh. Um, so, but before that, they were white. Matter of fact, like... If if some of you actually have had like a grandpa or, or somebody old in your family that had like an old Cadillac and they would always say like I got the white walls or oh, whatnot
1: I've heard that yeah
0: that's because the white wall tires it, before the tires became all black they used to just make the actual top of the tire um, black the black rubber to make it more durable but they kept the white coloring on the side wall of the tire.
1: Because so, they thought it looked nice or what?
0: Um, well, it was just cheaper. It was, cheap. was kind of cheaper to do that. Instead of just making the whole tire the, the durable material, it was just cheaper to make the outside rim of the tire the durable material and then keep the regular white rubber. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's the random fact that tires are were actually just natural white um, back in the day. But then here's an addition to this random fact. So you know the name Michelin man, right? Yes. And since you're a chef oh,
1: Okay, that's the that's the fact that I saw the Michelin Star.
0: Yeah, okay, I'm about to say. So since you're a chef
1: I was like, that I don't remember that. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay.
0: So since you're a chef, yeah. The Michelin Star is this is a is what is awarded to like very um great restaurants, pretty much. So for example, like, you know, Gordon Ramsay, I think. I forget how many restaurants he has, our Michelin star restaurants, but I know he has a couple. Um, but yeah, restaurants like very elegant and very exquisite restaurants. They get awarded um, with the Michelin star for how good their food is. But the, the funny thing about it is the Michelin star rating for restaurants was actually invented by the Michelin Tire Company. Right. Uh-huh. So that's what's just strange. But here's the here's the here's the here's the here's the gag.
1: What's the gag, baby?
0: Because you're probably thinking, like, what does a tire company and restaurant star grade have to do with anything?
1: I'm not thinking that because I know.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so back (laughs) in the day, um, as a part of, like, promotion and marketing, what Michelin Tire Company used to do, they used to create travel guides, right? And they would, in the travel guides, they would put, like, what their favorite restaurants were. And the restaurants would be kind of like far out, right? So people would have to actually drive long distances to get to the restaurants to check them out. That Michelin was rating like, oh, this is a three-star, this is a three-star restaurant in, I don't know, Des Moines, Idaho, or something like that. Or, you know, you got to go check this out. And so people would then go road tripping and just to go to check the restaurant out. But the gag was, back in the day, tires weren't as durable as they are now. So if you're doing a long road trip, by the time you get to the restaurant, You'd probably have to purchase a set of new tires. And so it was marketing for them and, prom- and a, kind of a sneaky promotion because you would get to the restaurant, your tires would get worn out, and you had to buy new tires. More than likely, since you're on this road trip from Michelin, you were going to buy more Michelin tires.
1: That's really funny because they were like sabotaging people. They should have <laughs> put some little um, tax and stuff right there at the restaurant. And then they really would have made some money. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. But anyway, so I just thought that that was just an interesting random fact because like, yeah, like what does a Michelin star restaurant have to do with the Michelin Tire Company? And then why is the Michelin man a white rubber mascot? That's funny. Interesting. There's your random fact of the day.
1: All right. Let's jump straight into the forever segment, which is our marriage segment for those who are first time listeners. But I'm sure most of you are returning listeners. Our family. Family, yeah. Oh,
0: this is a fa- this is a family we got. I'm
1: an introvert. Matter of fact, you know
0: what? We need to come up with a name because you know everybody has a podcast. Mickey like, D's. These
1: are our Mickey's. <laughs> oh like Mickey yeah D's. yeah
0: yeah. We okay. We got to come up with a with an actual family name because everybody that listens to our podcast. We all fam.
1: We uh. Are- Family. Don't please don't do that. Anyway, sorry, so yeah, guys. we are family. I'm sorry that you guys um, had to endure Yeah,
0: that. so we need to we need to create an actual like group name for the people that listen to the podcast. Anyway, we'll we'll figure it out. But the Mickey D's, that
1: that, that sounds pretty good. I'm rolling. Um, so this this week's topic is in laws. The infamous in laws. So, how do you feel? What do you, what comes to your mind when you think about in-laws? Let's just start with that.
0: Well, I mean, the base, the base thought that comes to mind is like everybody having terrible experiences with their in-laws. Like I've heard, I've always seen it on movies and like TV shows. or would be like, oh, what are they, what are they call them? Monster in-laws. Oh, what <laughs> now, like for the mom, the mother-in-laws with the wife. Oh, what now? I always see that. Matter of fact, I talk to people and there are actual people like that I know that I work with that don't get along like with their in-laws which I find just to be, like, mind-blowing because my in-laws are perfect. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, so really for, you know, my uh, point of view, um, having in-laws, especially the, the set that I have, like, it's it's a thing of beauty, you know? Like, there's just so much wisdom. There's so much, like, you know, even with us getting married as young as we did, at you know, getting married at 19, you know what I mean? Like, you would think, like, there would be, like, some friction there, but, man, over time, like you know, I've just grown to love my in-laws and I've know that they've just, they've grown to, to love me. Cause they text me every now and then just tell me how much they love me being a part of the family.
1: So Aww, yeah, that's so cute. So with in-laws, you know, you like, like you said, I always think of, Oh, monster in-laws and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, that truly hasn't been our experience in our marriage We generally have great relationships with our in-laws. There hasn't been friction or anything like that. And so, I mean, we don't have any horror in-law stories, you know? Like, there's nothing negative that we could say in that manner. But we do have some, like, you know, some strong boundaries and some opinions and things that we hold when it comes to in-laws. And so, babe, if there was, like, let's say you know, me and your mom are disagreeing on something and it's, like, a big deal, then how do you think you should handle that? Or should I handle that?
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like, really... I mean, it's just interesting to think about because I don't, like... I really don't see, like, you and my mom getting into it, even though y'all really have, like, the same personality to a certain extent. But I just feel like if you're, like... If you're getting into it with my mom, I would expect you to, like, kind of have the the thought and more so, like, the respect to just be like, this is my husband's mom. I'm not about to, about to get into an argument with her. You know what I mean? So I would expect you to kind of, like, whatever she's saying, to just back off or back down from it. Because if it's something that's really affecting you, you know that I'd step in and just handle it, you know? Or vice versa. Like, if my mom is kind of, like, getting out of line and kind of disrespecting you disrespecting you. I mean, it's my mom at the end of the day. She brought me to this world, and that's all, you know, that's all that in the bag of chips. But at the end of the day, biblically, like, I was supposed to leave and cleave, leave my mom's house, leave my parents' house, and cleave to you to create this nucleus of a family that we have now. And at the end of the day, biblically, the way it's set up, like, you are my number one priority. So, I mean, bottom line, for lack of, you know, to summarize all of this, like, your safety and your mental stability and just me protecting you comes first above everybody else
1: oh good you almost had me worried for a second I was like what not just kidding no um yeah I completely agree with you first of all you would never have to worry about me getting into it with your mom because number one I just I'm not about to argue with anybody first of all like nobody Mm -hmm. I don't even argue with you like what do I look like arguing with anybody second of all I have the utmost respect for all mothers, and so I treat your, one of my, like, life rules, my marriage life rules, is I treat my mother-in-law how I would treat my mother, and so whatever goes for my mom, and my mom could have everything, anything and everything is what goes for your mom. And so you know that would never really be an issue. So that's something you really truly wouldn't have to worry about. Yeah. And you know I expect the same with you. You know, cause a mom at the end of the day they deserve respect and love and all you know all the good things. Yeah, that, all the good things.
0: And that's pretty much what, like what I meant. Like you know I can't we can't I can't speak for everybody else because like I I know you and I know your I know your heart and I know your characteristics like. You not like even, not even just being my mom. I don't see you arguing with nobody else's like mom unless somebody's Ever. mom. Yeah, unless unless somebody's just really stepping on the line and nobody. getting crazy. No,
1: I, just, I no, not I mean argue, well, not well, away. not even
0: argue, but you like you know what I mean like I'm saying like if somebody's getting really like crazy to the point where it's like like you know it's affecting you or like you might be in harm's way or something like that. Of course you're gonna say something, but at the you know the baseline of it, like you you're not even thinking about engaging with somebody's mom. Yeah, but no matter who it is, you know.
1: Yeah, honestly, I just I'd just leave or walk away, you know? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> no no big uh, you know, no big conundrum or anything like that. So, okay, so how do you think we should handle um like holidays and all that kind of stuff? Like what if, you know, I want to do Christmas at my mom's house, you want to do Christmas at your mom's house? you know all mm-hmm. those things how how do we handle that
0: um i think the first thing is just really communication like um i think that me and you we have the uh, we have the luxury that our parents live in the same state and literally are 20 minutes away from each other
1: that's true you know what
0: i mean so like for us it's easy and like your parents already your parents already have like a set tradition like with christmas where like you know we go over to their house early in the morning and we're doing, like, chicken and waffles and a gift thing like that. Um, and then, like, typically, like, my mom, you know, if she is, like, cooking for Christmas or something like that, it's more so later on. So, you know, it's easy for us to kind of split that day. Like, okay, Christmas, I'm going you know, to be with your side of the family in the morning time. And then, you know, if my mom is cooking, like, a Christmas dinner, then, you know, we'll cruise by her house and then spend the rest of the day there. But, like I said, I think it really just comes down to communication. Like... Um, you got some spouses that don't even really want to be on they be around their side of the family, right? Uh, which, is, <laughs> which is which
1: is another problem in and of itself. Like. Yeah,
0: but but for those that do want to be around their family, let's say for example, like you know, if my mom lived in like Jacksonville, Florida or something like that, um, I think it's good communication to really kind of split the you know split the holidays. Like for Thanksgiving, you know, that's kind of like a central you always kind of have a central place. So if we have Thanksgiving with your family like this year, then I'd plan like okay, um, for next year's Thanksgiving we're gonna fly down to Jacksonville to have Thanksgiving with my mom, you know, or the same thing with any other major holiday like Christmas. You kind of just you kind of just switch off, you know, or yeah. or another or another plus for us is that another thing. Not only do people not get along with their own in laws, but sometimes when you mix your two sides of the families together, the families don't get along either. But I think another luxury for us is that like my mom or my side of the family and your side of the family everybody just gets along great we get along to the we get along to the point of like you know your mom is all like if you if you guys are if your side of the family is having some type of event like your mom is making sure she's always like inviting my mom or my sisters and brothers to come over you know what i mean
1: or yeah she always says
0: that oh she, Oh, she she says
1: it i thought you meant like she was texting people No, I mean she might. She's done it a couple times. She's actually done it a couple times too. Okay.
0: Like she's text my mom. She's text Tasha, which is my stepmom. So it even it even go mama. Yeah, it even it even extends to my bonus mom. So you know, and we and and every time we do have an event where we're all together, uh, you know, all sides of our family, like everybody's just getting along. So it's just it's just easier that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And look, if all else fails, let the kids decide (laughs) where y'all going for Christmas. I don't know. Yeah, I don't really have that issue, but I I see, like, if it was an issue, then either, yeah, just you pick one holiday, they pick the next holiday, back and forth, back and forth, or let the kids decide, or you take half the kids. I take half the kids. I don't know. I, I guess I just... I don't know. Really I wouldn't have to. do half
0: the I wouldn't do the half the kid thing.
1: What if one of the, one of the kids want to go to my mom's house and the other kid wants to go to your mom's house? No, nah, because
0: not? well because they're first off there's their they're their grandmas and grandmas want to see all their grandkids. So I would just like I say, I would just either bite the bullet and be like, Okay, we're gonna do your mom this year and do my mom next year or just or see if you can split the day if you're if you're close enough
1: to do that, but I wouldn't split everybody up. I would. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I totally would. I mean, we don't have that issue, but yeah, I absolutely would. Why not? That's just, but that's just me. You know, I'm kind of, um, different in that way. So (laughs) I am very different in that way. Okay. So let's see. Um, what strategies you think people could use to, uh, to alleviate the differences and the arguments and the, you know, whatever chaos they have with in-laws.
0: Uh, again, man, I, you, if you're listening to this podcast, this is our 15th episode, but what you're going to hear throughout every episode, if we're giving advice on anything in relationship, marriage wise or anything like that, communication is going to come up all the time. Um, so again, I think the number one strategy is communication and it seems easy and it seems cliche. Like, Oh, that's, I'm of course, that's something we all should know, but Common sense is in common and a lot of people we just assume that our spouse knows what we're thinking or what we want to do or you know what how we want to go about certain things and that's not always the case so it's good to have clear communication have a discussion about something um you know how you want things to go or like you know I think we should do it like this or you know I think we should have Thanksgiving at our house and then just invite like both sides of the family you know if that's something that you want to do that needs to be a discussion because You know, your wife might not feel the same way. And at least you guys are having that discussion early to really get, you know, break ground on that and get to a commonplace rather than waiting on Christmas Eve and then trying to have that discussion, you know, when plans have already been made and things of that nature. That's what's going to really become become the. The baseline for an argument or disruption within your family nucleus or whatnot. So, yeah, you just want to have as much discussion as possible. And I think in a relationship, we kind of always like I think we kind of overthink a little bit and think that things aren't as like big as they need to be, which, you know, deciding where to go for Christmas. It's not really that big, but it can become big. You know, if you just continue to be like, oh, it's not that bad, or I did want to really go to my mom's house, but I guess it's okay if we go to her mom's house, and then that turns into, like, we're going to her mom's house for the next three years, then you might become resent, you know, resentful for that, um, so it's good to just really have that communication, and I mean, that's the top strategy to really, um, you know, traverse through the relationship and how things are going to go and where you're going to go and you're just dealing with in-laws and, and all that type stuff.
1: Okay. Okay. So my little tips are and strategies are basically always assume the best. Like don't just think that somebody is trying to treat you wrong. Assume the best about a person. And that's just a life rule in general. That's how you just don't get bothered by anybody. Um, Treat them like your family. Your in-laws technically are your family. These are going to be, you know, the people that are in your children's lives, that are in your lives for the rest of your life, you know? And so treat them like your family. And if you're treating somebody in the lens that they're like your family, then you're going to automatically treat them well. And you're automatically going to assume the best try to connect, like do specific things that they like, you know, talk about the things that they like, invite them out to dinner or breakfast, you know, whatever. If you're making something special for your family, make it for their family. If you're buying something special for your family, buy it for their family as well. Um, Be open and warm. Don't just be like, with your arms crossed and your face stank, you know, just be open and warm and available to connect. Forgive easily. So like, you know, sometimes people just say things and and they're going to get under your skin a little bit or you might be on your period or, you know, you might be feeling hormonal or whatever. Just forgive easily and your name. You know, obviously that's a big deal. But most things really aren't a big deal. A lot of things are just personality types. And then pull back if you need to, like, you know, start withdrawing yourself a little bit if you need to. If you feel like you're overstepping your boundary, or you know, you've got yourself in there too deep, then pull back when you need to. Those are really the strategies that I have. I think it's really important to realize that you're marrying the family essentially too. People always say it's just mm-hmm. gonna be you and him. But I think it really matters. In-laws really matter. If you're having a lot of issues with your in-laws before getting married, I don't know. I don't know if y'all you know if y'all can't handle it and y'all haven't come to a consensus on how to handle the issue, oh I think that's a red flag. I'd really definitely stop or proceed very cautiously but yeah so that's all the things i really have to say
0: yeah that is wild just like i don't know getting into your in-law probably i mean like i said i've never had to experience that so was, that really comes unnatural to me but i mean i guess there are some in-laws that kind of like you know i guess in a sense overstep their brown boundaries but boundaries get overstepped because boundaries never get communicated really oh that's good um, that's a
1: bar right there boundaries never get communicated
0: yeah yeah um because like i, I remember i am i don't remember if it was a movie or if it was a real story but i remember like a like a mother-in-law was watching like their grandkid or whatnot and like went and got their grandkids like hair or something like that.
1: That's doing too much. But
0: as I'm saying, like, if that's a boundary or oh, whatnot. not I mean I guess I mean I, that is on the that is on the kind of a like extreme side or <laughs> whatnot. But like I don't know, like I, I would wonder like was there ever any talks where you were like I'm gonna grow out I'm gonna grow out their hair or I'm gonna wait till they get their hair cut, you know, or you know, like I want to do everything first. Especially if it was like their first haircut. But you know, like this is why it's good to just really actually talk to your in laws because, like, it's just like you said, you're not only married to your husband, but you're married to that side of the family also. So, you know, I I know people that just don't even like really have conversations with their in laws unless it's like a conversation with their spouse in the in law or whatnot. (laughs) So, you know, it's wild. Yeah, it's like just like you're just like you got to continue to keep dating your spouse. You also got to continue to date your extended family as well. So, you know, try to try to do things like, hey, I'm going to set up a lunch date with me and your mom. We're going to go out to brunch or lunch on Saturday or whatnot. Or, you know, me as the husband, like, hey, I'm going to call up your brothers and, you know, me and your brothers are going to kick it, go to a football game or something like that. Even though I don't watch football, I'm a basketball fan more so. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like, you got to, just like you got to continue to keep dating your spouse, you also got to continue to date their family because... It's your family now too. And just because you guys just came together after all the years and the months of data collecting you've done with your spouse, you didn't necessarily do that same exact data collecting with your extended family. So now that you're married, you have to continue to keep that um, tradition of, you know, data collecting, but with them now.
1: Yeah, I agree. Completely agree with that. And, you know, my husband was dropping knowledge over there. Those boundaries aren't communicated.
0: Yeah, you oh, better said, say that. I said boundaries get stepped on because boundaries aren't communicated.
1: You should have you should have made a little rhyme with it so we. Could've... Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm being funny. Okay, all right. So are you ready to segue? Yep. Okay, let's segue into our roots and bloom segment. Our roots and bloom segment is our parenting segment, and. You know, it's something that we, we just get to talk about the nuances of being a mother and a father and the highlights and the, you know, just the things that we learn along the way. Mm-hmm. So today's topic is going to be the father-son relationship mm-hmm. and the mother-daughter relationship. A few weeks back, we did the mother-son and father-daughter. So this week, we're going to switch it to father-son and mother-daughter, because, you know, there's different nuances in the relationship. Yeah. So, f- usually, you know, father, father-daughter father is an easy relationship for a lot of men, because, you know, daughters are so sweet. They're like little reflections of of their wife, you know what I mean? N- not in a weird way, but, you know, they're like reflections of their wife. Like, they're just so nurturing and loving and compassionate. But the father son relationship can be a little bit different. And then with the mother son relationship, that's usually like easy too because a son is like, you know, it's like a little man. Like, you know, this is your little sugar lump. Mm-hmm. And the mother daughter relationship can sometimes be complicated as well. Do you find uh, the father son relationship more complicated than the father daughter relationship? Oh, definitely. Yeah.
0: More so because when you really think about it, like, for example, like, me and you, we have we have a daughter in us. Well, we have two daughters and a son. Um, but really, my daughters are going to be really a collection of, like, your traits. So they're going to more so emulate you. And then my son, he's going to more so emulate me. So <laughs> it's always, you know, you always kind of at a head with, like, for me and my son because he's trying to act exactly like me. Like, he's trying to be a carbon copy of me. And so it's easy, it's, it's interesting going against a little version of yourself, you know, <laughs> and trying to teach yourself certain things and talk to him a certain way. So that's what I think, you, I, I think that's where the, you know, the challenge is with, you know, the same sex relationship when it comes to a parent and a, and a child. Yeah. Um, because oftentimes that child is just like you. You know, and, but also it's rewarding because you begin to learn more about yourself. Like, bruh, I, is this, is this how I am? Like, for example, like my son really think he just the boss of everybody.
1: Yeah, he does. Or whatnot.
0: And so when I watch him try to boss people around, trying try to boss his older sister around and then boss his younger sister around, you know, I got to kind of take in my own reflection and be like, dang, is that, is that how I sound on a daily basis? Just, I'm just bossing them around? you know what I mean
1: Uh, yeah kind of you know (laughs) yeah it's just
0: it's interesting it's an interesting relationship
1: Okay, so I'm gonna go into father son, you know, some of the some of the intricacies. So one of the important things in the father son relationship is that you are his role model. I'm glad you said that because you hit the nail right on the head. Sons really do look up to their fathers. And they really seek to emulate their actions and attitudes and all that good stuff. So you're gonna like really be the one to influence his behavior, his values, his aspirations, and all of those things, more so than I am, you know, Mm -hmm. he's gonna essentially, even as much as some sons don't want to be like their father, a lot of times, especially if the father is active in the household, a lot of times they're gonna just, you know, do the exact same thing. Even if it's negative, positive, whatever it is, they're going to emulate that. When the fathers are not in the household, then obviously sons are confused and they don't know who to emulate. They're like, do I copy who's on TV? Do I copy the boys in the neighborhood? Do I copy my teacher? Like, you know, it's kind of a confusing and it's like identity crisis for them, essentially. Mm-hmm. So another thing that's really important that a lot of men don't think about, but it's super duper important And it's emotional connection. So you really have to build a strong emotional bond with your son. And it comes naturally for a woman, the emotional bond. I just think it just comes naturally. Whereas the discipline comes naturally for a man. And so you have to really work as a man to try to bond with him and try to connect with him and allow him to express his emotions. And it really ensures that he's going to develop a good self-esteem and be able to navigate, you know, relationships in the future and how to interact with other men. I saw this uh dad I don't know if it was a famous dad. I don't know who it was. You know I'm not good with celebrities. But his son had graduated, and he was like, never be afraid to show your son love. And he was kissing his son on the cheek in the graduation picture. This wasn't like a little elementary school graduation. This was like a high school or college graduation. But, you know, a lot of that, like men might look at that and be like, oh, you're making him soft, or that might make him uncomfortable. But that's because they probably didn't have fathers that were emotionally connected to them. And so
0: you know. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting because, and oftentimes, too, especially, like, we we come from this, like, us being raised as 90s kids, we come from a lot of, like, the kind of toxic, like, masculinity era, you know, where we're taught, like, oh, men don't cry, Uh, you know, men don't, you know, show they feelings, stuff like that. But really, man, it should be the total opposite. Like, you should be able to be affectionate with your son. You should be able to, your son should be able to see you be emotional and being your feelings or whatnot. So he can know how to connect with his own feelings. Like when you continue to raise kids, especially boys, little boys, it's like just mindless. Show no feelings, be strong, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And you shouldn't be crying like you're setting them up for you're setting them up to be ticking time bombs pretty much. Yeah. you're setting them up for to to have all these mental health crises probably in the future because they've never been able to express their feelings uh to feel emotional and to even accept affection. yeah um, so yeah, it's 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 really important to try to be affectionate with your with your son, yeah, as a male. and
1: show them the right times to be affectionate i mean like to be uh you know to be emotional Emotional. and all those things because it it is a balance you know it doesn't mean that we have to tolerate every tear every time you know some things like is this a problem that's worth crying about like it's okay to be frustrated and cry but we're not going to cry about everything but that goes with men and women too and so um also the communication between a father and son is important. And I think sometimes we forget children are little people with feelings and emotions and their own brain. And, you know, we can't really force a kid to do anything, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to kind of do what they want to do. And so it's really important to just have open and honest communication and be an open person for your son to be able to communicate with you. And then Lastly, not lastly, but almost lastly, is the expectations and the pressure. Sometimes fathers have... Well, it's important for fathers to have expectations of their sons, right? Mm -hmm. But sometimes it creates an unnecessary pressure. So like if you you have to check your own expectations for him. Like, are these are these appropriate for his developmental level? Are these appropriate, you know, he's six years old, is it appropriate for me to expect this of him? And then how are you going to teach him to live up to those expectations? Are, are you teaching him how to have goals and aspirations, how he sets a goal, and you know, all those things. So it's a lot of little important things. But the last one I wanted to talk about is basically helping him transition to independence. We're not, we're not raising a little boy, we're raising a boy to be a man. And so the relationship is going to evolve. And so as he evolves, then, you know, your parenting style has to evolve and you have to adapt to his increasing independence and basically offer that guidance and that support as he navigates, you know, life's challenges and things like that. And so, um, just to reiterate, you know, you have to be emotionally available. You have to lead by example, Mm -hmm. You have to have one-on-one bonding time. You have to teach those life skills and provide that guidance. You have to support his independence. You have to be really consistent. And, you know, I didn't mention, but, you know, you have to celebrate those milestones and cheer him on and be his cheerleader, even though that sounds, you know, it sounds, maybe it sounds feminine, but, you know, there's probably a manly way to say that. <laughs> be his be his number one fan. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah, so... You ready to go into mother daughter? Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about me. So, the mother daughter relationship is interesting for me because I I am very I am very nurturing and loving and I do have a lot of those good motherly qualities, but also I have a lot of like idiosyncrasies. I have a lot of things that I get overstimulated by. I have a lot of like, you know, like life worries. I have all these experiences and things, um, from being a probation officer to being a school psychologist now. And so, and I also have the experiences of me being a child. And as a child, listen, I was a stone cold stunner. Okay. I was, I was like, Literally, my husband always is like okay superwoman but he don't understand like i literally have always been kind of hardcore like you know i wasn't really a soft type of kid i wasn't scared of anything i was like was that cuz you were raised with all your brothers or no it's just well, that and it was just my personality type. Like, mm. you know, like I was always a like a leader. I wasn't, I didn't want to follow people. I didn't care about people's approval. Like, you know, I just didn't really care about those things. And so my daughter, she is like so soft and girly and feminine. And honestly, it's a great thing. I love that for her because she feels comfortable and safe enough to be that way. My oldest daughter And, you know, my youngest daughter, she's still a little mush, so we're trying to see what she's going to (laughs) be. But, you know, so it's kind of difficult for me sometimes because sometimes I'm like, girl, man up. I'm like, oh, but she's a girl. She ain't got to man up, you know? Yeah. And so (laughs) the important aspects of uh, the mother-daughter relationship is nurturing and support. And so this is really a lecture for myself. And so, you know, moms really do provide that emotional support, that nurturing to their daughters, and they really shape a sense of self-worth and a sense of security for their child, for their daughters. You know, dads do that as well, but moms provide a different, a different avenue. You know, it's kind of like a, a mirror, especially, you know, how you treat yourself as a woman, your daughter is watching you. And then, you know, I have to, I can't forget that she's not me and that, you know, she can't be me and she is her own person. She is Autumn, and she is Josie, and so I have to remember that she's going to seek to establish her own independence and her own identity, and so I have to balance this basically with my overarching need to want to guide her and protect her, and so I just really have to be cognizant of that. Thirdly, it's the communication again and the empathy and I really have to work at being an effective communicator with her and she's really going to seek that empathy and understanding from me and I'm like her soft spot you know I'm her I'm her mom and so I have to really (laughs) be empathetic and loving and nurturing and all those things and then I can't forget about the generational differences like you know We had our kids, what? We started having kids about 25. And so, I mean, it's it's a 25-year gap. And so there's a lot of different things. There's different perspectives and different values. And so it's important for me to recognize those differences and basically find the common ground. And so that the relationship can be challenging and rewarding at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, I'm her role model and mentor like, I serve as her role model, and, and I'm going to influence a lot of her choices, her career choices, her values, her life decisions. And it's so crazy, like, the way that I think of my own mother. And to think that someone is going to think of me like that is crazy. Look, my voice is getting all uh shaky, pitchy. Like, I'm not about to cry, y'all. Don't worry. This is, I'm a thug at heart, okay? But it's going to like them pastors be getting. Because he wants you. Right. Love him. No, but anyways. (laughs) and It'll be a tear coming down. Right. Scares me. Okay. But yeah, to reiterate the importance of the mother-daughter relationship is that open communication and once again, quality time, the enjoyable quality time of what she wants to do. Not what I want her to do, but what she wants to do respecting those differences offering independence and support and guidance and once again celebrating those achievements and celebrating her accomplishments so you know that is roots and bloom babe
0: yeah man raising kids is just it's very interesting like i said and like oftentimes we call it raising kids raising our kids because of course we're teaching them things and you know their their brains are empty and we're we, we're literally here to show them the way and teach them everything that they need to know. But the majority of the time, when it comes to parenting, when I really sit down and think about it, man, having a kid is really just teaching me so much. It's teaching me so much about myself. It's teaching me about patience. It's, it's teaching me about just focusing and being intentional. On you better say that. Things. So, yeah, man, it's just really a it's really a full circle moment with having kids. It's a lot of work. I ain't going to hold you.
1: I it sure is. Because I show If you're not ready be, to work. I
0: sure be tired. Don't do it. bro. And just dealing with like whining and all that stuff. But I, I'm, I'm starting to really get to the point where a lot of like older parents, they say like, you know, it's, don't this time gonna fly by, but it's it's all gonna be worth it when you look back on it. Because every year I just see them reaching milestones and I see how their little brains are just developing and just they're, they're gaining their own characteristics. Like they're still you. Like, my son is still me, but he's also August. You know what I mean? Like, he has his own quirks. He thinks he's a comedian. You know what I mean? Um, you know, but he wants to still, like, build things and fix things because I'm a DIY type of person myself. Like, I like to work on my own car. Or, you know, if uh, if something electric goes out in the house, like, I'm going to get in there and try and figure it out. You know what I mean? Um, and so I see him building those characteristics that I have, but I also see him building his own individual traits and the things that he likes, and just how he conceptualizes and comes up with things. So, yes, yeah, definitely a full circle moment, and it's really just a beautiful thing being a parent. So yeah, shout it is. out, shout out to us, and shout out to all the parents out there.
1: What did Will and Jada say? Bad marriage for oh, life. Ain't no
0: bad marriage for life. I ain't saying <laughs> that. That was crazy. I'm just kidding. With they ayahuasca taking sales. but anyway. Let's go ahead and get into our our lifestyle section. Um, so, if you're listening for the first time, the lifestyle section. This is really my section. This is really my time to shine. This is where I talk about this is his anything. man cave. <laughs> yeah, this is where I talk about everything from sports, music, film, TV shows, or just stuff in the general media. You know, watch how his voice changes, y'all. He gets or so excited. Of that nature. Um, but anyway, really, what I want to talk about today. Um, I want to talk about a favorite pastime of mine other than music, um, and taking in art. Um, well, this is a form of art, but I want to talk about, um, TV shows like great TV shows. And specifically I want to highlight, um, one company that I think kind of gets overlooked on their TV shows, but they have so many good TV shows to me and that's Apple TV. Um, man, like do you remember the first? Do you remember the first show we watched on Apple TV? Like when they announced the Apple TV Plus and I signed up for it?
1: Yeah, that uh, that nanny one.
0: Servant, yes. Yeah. Serv- Servant was the first show we watched, which was a crazy show. And like the premise of it, was crazy. But like you know, from watching that show and then like, cause it, that was a pretty good show. I think I I feel like every Apple TV show in my in my book has just gotten better and better and better. Um, with the writing and just everything in between. But bruh, so we went from Servant. Then what I still think is one of their best shows was Defending Jacob. Like, oh, that was a
1: good show. I did like that one.
0: Yeah, like, the premise of that was so, like, it was so well done. And they just, they get great actors. So they had Chris Evans in that, who's Captain America in the Marvel series. Um, but, man, yeah, at, like, people just are really sleeping on, like, Apple TV. But really, I just want to talk about three of my, my top three shows right now Um, that I'm currently watching on Apple TV. My number one show is Foundation. Foundation.
1: That's
0: a good show. I do like that. The found for people that do know me, they know you. Like most people know that I am a Star Wars fanatic. Like I love Star Wars. um I think George Lucas is a genius, and the way he just came up with this the, the concept of Star Wars and everything. But what a lot of people don't know is that, and George Lucas has said it on many occasions, the person that inspired him to create Star Wars. The same person that inspired Gene Rottenberry to create Star Trek, the same person who inspired the movie in the book series Dune um, was Isaac Asimov. And he is the guy that actually created the Foundation. And the Foundation was a science fiction book. It was, you know, about a galactic empire and the stars and the universe. and it was Not one you of the knowing first... the whole
1: history of the show.
0: I mean, I love, like, I, this is this is my stuff right here. I love this stuff. So, you know, he created the Foundation. Like, the Foundation was one of the first major books came out, like, a long time ago. Like, I want to say, like, in the 50s, 60s, somewhere along that time. oh would not. But anyway, from this book, this inspired so many worlds and so many people to create other things that are totally different like you know star trek and star wars they're both set in space but they're both totally two different storylines you know what i mean and then you have doom where doom is kind of following kind of the same patterns of foundation to 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 a certain extent but anyway Man, Foundation is just a beautifully put-together show. Um, this is actually the most expensive show that Apple TV um, has produced. And once you watch it, you'll see why. Like, the special effects are top tier. Um, the They have some world-class actors on there. They got Lee Pace. Lee Pace, he's, he plays Empire, um, our brother Day. Or oh, not and if you if you guys ever watch like Marvel films, Lee Pace is actually the guy who plays Ronan the Accuser in the first um, Guardians of the Galaxy. But anyway, world class actor, like classically trained actor, and bruh, it's just great content. Like I said, if you're a Star Wars fan and you're a fan of like you know kind of space lore like that, like you know Stargate SG one or you know. Whatever Star Trek, whatever the case may be, you definitely want to check out Foundation because um, I think what Apple TV is doing with it is great. Now, my second show, or my second favorite show, um, has to be Silo. Silo? Like, I'm on for, like, dystopian type of shows and future shows like that, but, bruh, this show, like, it just really took it there for me. Like, um, the acting was great. The writing was great. And the story was like, it it wasn't this, it wasn't the same storyline as every like dystopian society type of story. You know what I mean? Like you got a bunch of people in the silo, you know, and nobody knows really how they got there and you know, how this civilization down in the silo started or whatnot. Um, but you know, you got people and key players in the show, they're just trying to figure things out and I really love me
1: some silos. Yeah, okay. and really
0: the ending the end of Silo, like I, I really can't wait till the second season. I'm glad the writer strike is over because now yeah, I'm sure come they're, on, somebody Yeah, now I'm sure that they're back writing it. Um but writing for it. But yeah. Like when Silo season two comes out, I'm there it has common in it. Um David Oello, um, he's in it. Well, he's in the first season. Um, I'm not sure if he's coming back with the second season or not. But bruh, yeah, Silo is a great show. And then another, my third favorite show so far that I finished, um, like, finish, and all these shows, all these shows I finished, we've finished all the seasons um, that they that they currently have so far. Um, that's another show. This is a show you haven't watched with me, but this is a great show. My brother, he,
1: he's committing a cardinal sin watching a show without his wife.
0: Yeah, but I'm, I'm not sure if you like the show. But I know my brother Greg. Um, he, me, and him talk about this show. Um, because he's actually had a hand in marketing this show. Um, the company he works for, so um, but this show is called Severance. Bruh. The concept for this show too, like
1: haven't I seen part of that? We started watching that, didn't we? Um, I'm, I'm Dang, not. He no, in no, no, we, no. no. Here, we, we
0: never watched Severance. I never, I never, we never watched the episode. You probably seen. You probably just because it's it's always it's been number one on Apple TV. So you probably always see the little block of like trending now. I. don't look it at you with
1: my side eye.
0: But yeah, but Severance, bruh. Severance is a dope show. It's a little why I didn't watch it with you is because it's kind of like a it's really a slow burn type show. Like you got to really pay attention and then, like kind of figure it out or whatnot um but bruh like the payoff for the writing in severance is like so top tier and it's so detailed and like the way they map stories together like there's it like there's one overarching theme in the show but then like there's really like five main characters and like all their stories are kind of overlapping and it's just dope um so yeah, so those are really my main 3. Then I'll give two honorable mentions. My other honorable mention is Ted Lasso, which is just a, it's just a light comedy. Um and actually the last season I just watched turned out to be the its final season. I
1: have never heard of that.
0: Um, but Ted Lasso is Grace's soccer show. It's about a it's about a coach. I'll just tell you the premise. It's about a coach that came from America and got hired by a soccer club in England. Uh with, now he was a football coach in America like an actual American football coach high college coach in america and he got hired to be a soccer coach in england but it's a great show it's justin uh uh sudeikis um he's the um star of the show um but that's a great show and then the last time i mention is for all mankind i'm currently watching this right now like i watch this during my lunch breaks at work or whenever i get some downtime for all mankind is so dope because it's another space show but it's based off, like, actual history. Like, it's based, It's pretty much a story about NASA. But, Ooh,
1: that sounds really boring. But there's I'm a twist. I'm glad you're watching that one. Yeah,
0: but there's a twist to it because it's telling, like, an alternate history. So, like, for those that are, like, space busts, we know that, like, Russia was actually the first. They were the first country to get per- have a person up in space or oh, whatnot. They had the first man in space. But we know that America actually landed on the moon first and stuck their flag first in this show i'll just give you how it starts off in this show russia ends up landing on the moon first um and sticks a flag in it then they even take it up a notch not only did russia have the first man on the moon but then they have the first woman on the moon as well but anyway it's been a great show like i'm still watching it now and so i encourage you guys to check out these five shows um and then also too um with our you know, with that show with our show reviews. If you ever look at our podcast and go in the descriptions, um, I always have a like what to watch or like film of the week or show of the week. But I also have like music or song of the week. This week I'm gonna do a little different because um the day that you're listening to this podcast, the next following day is actually my birthday. Um so Woo! I'll be thirty three. And what Jesus I've Jesus
1: year, Jesus year.
0: Yeah and what I've been doing for the past like, I don't know, maybe like three or four years or so i always create a birthday playlist for myself well not just for myself but well yeah it's for myself but it's for everybody else to listen to as well because everybody love, send
1: him a birthday ten dollars instead
0: yeah send me a birthday 10 you send me a birthday ten dollars if you want to cash at me Yo,
1: What's
0: your cash app? Kinate <laughs> McDonald. So it's in it's in the description. It's the same thing as your my Instagram. But anyway, um, what I'm doing different, what I've been doing different, and what I'm doing this year again is, if you can check the description at the bottom, I'm gonna have a link to my actual birthday playlist. Um, so it's gonna be a bunch of songs on there. some you've probably heard of, artists you probably heard of and a bunch of artists you probably haven't heard of. like one of my last playlists like I literally had a G Perico song followed by a Casey Musgrave song, followed by a Corinne Bailey Ray song, then followed up with a music soul child song like you're not gonna get that anywhere else. You know what I mean? Like, these Apple these Apple playlists that they make themselves, you're not going to get that from them. So go ahead, check my link out. <laughs> um, then, you know, tell me what you think of the music. Tell me if you find a song on there that you like, man, I've never heard this song, but this song is beautiful, or I had to add this song to my playlist. Um, you're bound to find something that you're going to love in the playlist, and... I'm just excited for you guys to go ahead and partake in that with me. As you're listening to it, I'm going to be listening to it myself. And it's like we're celebrating my birthday together and partying together. So, yeah. Give me a solid and check that out. Um, But as always, man, we just want to thank you for listening to us. We know that there's a million other podcasts out there. So you spending your time with us, we're truly grateful and appreciative uh, for that. Uh, please share this podcast. Share our podcast with somebody who, you know, loves podcasts, somebody who may not love podcasts. Um, just share an episode with them, and please leave us a uh, comment in the at the bottom of our description. Five star, you know, review. give us a five star rating if this is a five star episode or five star podcast. We we try our best to be. Um. And we just ask that you just that you guys just continue to rock with us. Um, so as always, you guys have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to us. God bless. <laughs>